So if you have a Bible there with you, I'd like you to turn to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Following the life of the Lord Jesus and his walk and what he said, what he did, we come to a junction point in this chapter, in the book, um, going from mainly the things that he said to now the things he's going to do. And I'm sure we all are relieved by that, by the things that we say we're going to do. Some people see in us that we actually do those things. And the Lord Jesus was the, was the same that way. The Lord Jesus was the epitome of someone who would say something and then follow up and do it. And this is a junction point here uh, in the, the verse uh, 1 of chapter 26. It says, when Jesus had ended these sayings. And so he's, uh, this was the fifth time this was mentioned up to this point. Uh, he had many things to say. We don't want to go over the background of that, what he said. It was, uh, if you consult the YouTube videos that we have and uh, recordings, you can get the recordings from previous messages. But now we hit a junction point, and it's, uh, we're going to deal today, Lord willing, with the first 30 verses, and we'll make a few comments about these in passing Let's just uh, open in a word of prayer, Lord. We just thank you for this time. We just pray, Lord, that these words would leap off the page and would bore a hole into our hearts and would maybe straighten us up or might lead us to your love. It might break open fallow ground and resonate with us today. Hit us where we are. We're in the church today. I just pray that someone would realize that this word is meant to be taken out into life and meet us where we are. We thank you so much that in these words is life, life eternal, and uh, a substitution that Christ gave his life for us. And we can take him as our representative, no matter the past, and become whole on a firm founding, firm foundation, and be so filled with hope and joy. We just pray, to Father, today that something may happen today. You know the hearts of everyone here. You know the, the burdens. You know the, the things that happen. We just pray for this word as it would go out today, Lord, that it would just work today. We know that it will. We commit our meeting to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just look at the first 30 verses here. Read them first. We'll talk about three homes today. Three homes. Matthew 26, 1 to 30. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings that he said to his disciples, you know, you know that after two days is the Passover and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Then the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders of the people assembled at the palace of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas, and plotted to take Jesus by trickery and kill him. But they said, not during the feast lest there be an uproar among the people. And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, 
A woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil. She poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not have always. For in pouring this fragrant oil in my, on my body, she did it for my burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Drop down to verse 17. Now on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying to him, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. And when evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. Now as they were eating, he said, As surely I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. Each of them began to say, Lord, is it I? He answered and said, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes, just as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? He said unto him, You have said it. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And so here this morning, I'd like to cover with you three homes. Three homes. One is in the first five verses, the Passover home. The Passover home. What is the Passover? It says here that when Jesus had finished all these sayings, that he said to his disciples, those who would know what the Passover was, you know that after two days is the Passover. I'll just say in passing too, um, as they discussed things that would happen in the home at the Passover time, there's three homes here mentioned in these, for these uh, first 30 verses, and um, but we're going to visit these homes. A lot happens in homes. Protection, home is uh, given for protection. It's uh, A home should be used for growth and development, for education, for those intimate conversations, for reality. When something is done in private, um, and then there's also friction, unfortunately, in the homes, right, if we're to be honest. Of course there is. There's friction noted throughout the whole Bible. It doesn't steer away from these things. And we're going to notice some of these things in these three homes um, today. In the first one, then, the Passover home, Jesus has finished all his sayings, and he says, you know. Well, um, they had celebrated this Passover feast for about 1,500 years. Every single year would come to this point in time where Jerusalem would swell by thousands and thousands of people. And there would be markets for the lambs that would be given and, and 
being sold, and you would go and, and select yourself a lamb, and you could buy one there and celebrate the Passover feast. It was a remembrance of something every year. They had to remember how they got out of Egypt, how their past, their fathers before them got out of Egypt as they were slaves to Egypt. And if you read in Exodus chapter 12, it goes over the story of the Passover. Basically, it was that uh, the Egyptians had the Jews as, as captives. And as time rolled on, it got to a point where um, God said, you're going to let my people go. The only way that uh, <clears throat> the, the God would be able to deliver the people was through, through death, basically. And um, it came to a time where the, <clears throat> he said, what you're going to do in order to avoid death, I'm going to kill the firstborn in each household in Egypt. So the oldest person, the oldest son in your family is going to die. And, and to, to any family, this would be devastating, devastating loss. And so, uh, but this is what I'm going to do. The only way that you can protect yourself in this circumstance, God says, is that you're going to take a lamb for your family, and it's going to be a spotless lamb. So it's going to have to take some, some observance and some good, careful selection. And what you're going to do is you're going to kill this lamb, and you're going to wipe the blood on the doorpost and the lintel. And then you're going to stay inside the house as well. You, don't, you, you stay inside the house if you do this, and you're going to be protected from the destroyer that I will send on the uh, throughout Egypt at that time, you're going to be protected and, and your firstborn will be spared. And so they're remembering this Passover. And uh, but but one thing he he introduced to them at this point in time, two days before the Passover, was that in verse two, that the son of man talking about himself will be delivered up to be crucified. And this was a game changer in their understanding. They didn't understand this at all. All they knew on their mind was to get ready for the Passover, something we had celebrated all the time. We've got to get ready. This is, our, this is on our mind, Lord. Where do you want us to prepare for this? We've got so many things to do, and it's so important to celebrate this, this meal and to remember what it meant to us. So much uh, Jewish and religious um, pride in the celebration of this, even as they existed in the Roman world at that time. This is what they enjoyed the most. And the Lord comes in here in verse 2, and he says, And the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. What was he saying? He was saying there that he would be the substitution instead of that lamb. And this is what they didn't know. He was going from what they knew as a practice in terms of religious practice to something that meant a lot more to them, a lot more for them. And that was the deliverance of the Son of Man uh, in place of the lamb. So it was the Lord for the lamb in this case, the person for the animal. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says, Christ, our Passover. And this was a game changer, as I, as I mentioned. I'm going to come, he says, to be that lamb. You celebrated this all this time. And so we see here a religious celebration, but then it comes from, from that object to a person, right? He's putting himself into that position. And uh, that lamb was a substitute for death. The Lord Jesus will be the substitute for death. Not that we won't die as we continue to live this, this life, but we will, uh, if we have Christ as our substitution, he will protect us from eternal death, uh, a death that we're separated from God forever. 
And um, he becomes our substitution. He becomes something that we can't be. Uh, a couple weekends, my daughter's going to be running the half marathon, the Ottawa race weekend. We have to buy a bib for that. And, uh, you know, if you ever think you want to do this, go for it. Uh, because probably about two weeks before that, you can sell your bib. And a uh, person will buy it at half price from you. Uh, and you kind of hope, you know, that uh, there's still your name on it, still your digitized signature that'll be recorded on sportsstat.ca. And uh, you hope that that person's a better runner than you. <laughs> you know, you can go to work and brag about it a bit more. So, but you hope someone's always going to take your bib, maybe that'll do a better job. And Christ can do a better job. He's going to be that substitute. For 1,500 years, these animals were sacrificed, but they fell short. They fell short, and they fell short. Here, the Lord Jesus Christ is putting himself into that position to be your substitute, to be a substitute for this lamb. Never again would they go back to animal sacrifice. And I can just imagine the house as a family. You know, this is the Passover home, and they would select the lamb. Think about the experience as a family of killing it. Think about, okay, what do we do now, Dad? We take the, the blood and we apply it now to the door, just as the Lord had said. Don't go outside the house either. Specific instruction, but God provided a way for protection. If we fear death here this morning, we can find ourselves with the substitute of Christ as our personal Savior, and he will take that fear of death out of your life and give you a solid foundation from which to go from today and know that you're eternally secure. But there was a friction point, wasn't there? The religious Jews at the time, the religious Jews, the, 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 that sort of, these people here in verse 3, the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders of the people assembly, these were the highest sort of ranking uh, Jewish religious people. You think that they would have it right. You think that they would want the Messiah to come and to, 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 well, they did want the Messiah to come, but you'd think they want this substitution, right? They'd want the Lord to be for them. But you know what? They said no. They said no. They plotted to take Jesus by trickery and kill him. And they say not on the feast day. There's no way. The Lord came two days before. It was significant that he came at this time, the time for him to be offered up on the cross as a sacrifice was this time, and um, they said, no, we're going to kill you, but it's not going to be during this time. And my, they were sadly mistaken, sadly mistaken. They said by trickery, as if they could trick the Lord Jesus, who before the foundation of the world knew that he would go to the cross and die for everyone's sin. And again, taking that sacrifice on the cross for yourself, there's a substitution. His righteousness becomes yours. And by that, you're represented before God, holy and righteous and perfect, no matter the past, no matter the past. But they said, you know, here's a friction point. No way. The religious Jews at the time said, no way. Not in the feast day. But <clears throat> we know that this happened just like the Lord said, there was nothing going to uh, wreck the plan of the Lord going to the cross at this particular time. 
Let's go to another house, Simon's house, verse 6 to 13. When Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, so a woman comes into this house. So here's Simon, and uh, he's known as Simon the leper. Well, I guess that means he was a leper at one time, but he couldn't shake the title. Have you ever been something at one time in your life and couldn't shake what happened in the past? You become labeled with this title, Simon the leper. Obviously, when there's people in this home, things have been taken care of on the leprosy level. He was clean. But just like as the word says here, he was known as that Simon the leper. He couldn't shake the background. We see here that um, he just opens his house. There's different levels of service here to God. And so Simon the leper, even with that background, the woman who came in, who goes unnamed really to some extent, John 12 and the parallel story happened six days before this event here. Some people say that this was a totally different event than John 12. So you can't say that this was Mary necessarily. I'm not going to argue with that. But in, in those days, just like something here would happen that was really good. Did you hear about so-and-so and what they did? Did you hear about that person who paid it forward to Tim Hortons the other day with $500? I was in line that day. You come in line the next day, you're going to pay it forward. You're going to, you're going to say, yeah, I'm going, to, I'm going to pay now maybe $100, I don't know, $500 or something, maybe match it. I'm going to pay it for. I'm going to do the same thing. In that day, the same news spread around maybe that Mary did this before. Here was a woman, unnamed woman to some degree maybe. Maybe she, it was Mary. But she comes in and does a different level of service to the Lord, right? She comes in and she has this alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil, poured it on his head as he sat at the table, and this flask here, you could put liquid in, but you couldn't take it out too well unless you broke the top and you couldn't put it back in. You couldn't spare it. You couldn't use just a little bit of it. So basically, they, she poured it all out. And she received some retribution for that from the disciples. And we know that maybe Judas was here as well saying that, why was this wasted on this? Why was the whole thing put on your head and your feet and, and so on? But she had a very limited opportunity to serve the Lord. She calculated it. It took one year's wage, they say, to, to, to save up enough oil for this in this flask. So have you saved up a year's wage lately? How long does that take? I don't know. But it would be a definite cost to you, right? But she knew that she only had a certain time with the Lord. Maybe she heard about this event being, being down the road somewhere, that someone had anointed the Lord. She thought, I'm going to have my time. I have a limited opportunity in verse 11. Lord says, you know what? Well, she did a good thing. She only has me for a certain time. We only have a certain time to express our gratitude to the Lord. Whether it be opening your door in your house, like Simon the leper who can't shake the past, or this unnamed woman that comes with a very costly 
fragrant oil and pours it all on him. All is accepted. We don't have to go away thinking, oh, we got to become like that woman. Maybe we do. I don't know. What has the Lord called you to do to show your gratitude and appreciation? It could be full-time service. It could be full-time service and a full-time job, secular job. We're all full-time. We're all full-time for the Lord. So there's different levels in this home expressed. Simon the leopard just simply opened the door. This unidentified woman, perhaps, well, she did something maybe she didn't even realize she was doing. She just put it all out there for the Lord. There are some people who say that verse 12, for in pouring forth this fragrant oil in my body, she did it for my burial. There's some people, commentators, that say that she, even she wasn't totally aware of what she was doing. How often is that the case when we throw something out there for the Lord? We have no idea what it's doing. But it's doing something. And, she, and he commended her work. He commended and lifted up her work for him and said, this is significant. So something often that's done in the home that's private, right? We had the private sort of selecting of the lamb and the killing of the lamb in a home, and we come to this home, something private. It's not out there. It's private. But something that's done that's private, verse 13, now is a part of the gospel that goes public. The things that we do in the privacy of the home comments on maybe our effectiveness publicly. So here's an amazing event. This woman just comes in, pours it all out there. The Lord looks to the disciples, maybe Judas, and says, look, here's the lesson. She already sees more than you guys see. She's doing it for my burial. And I kind of wonder, this, this fragrant oil was significantly uh, rich with uh, fumes and uh, odor. I kind of wonder if he was, when he was, his back was stripped and his back was beaten and his, and, uh, you know, sweat and everything else, was, was this coming out? And the Lord said, this is going to be included in the gospel, the burial, the Lord's burial. Up till now, they just thought this is the gospel of the kingdom. Messiah is going to come. No death needed. Here's the king coming. No, the burial was needed. I just think to myself, you know, we can really identify with burial, can't we? You know, some of us look at the Lord Jesus' life and we look at him and say, I can't be that person. The Lord could make us that way, help us. But you know, you just kind of, oh, he, was, he walked on water. Can't be that person. Can't identify with his life. And then he rose again. Yeah, he says he's going to raise me again too. Amen. But I will identify that, but I won't have a choice. I'll be just raised again if I'm one in him. But can we not identify definitely with burial? We go to a grave of a loved one and we see the burial. Well, we know they've died. And you leave that graveside and you never see them again. 
Wow. The Lord Jesus wanted to make sure that it wasn't only his life, but it was his burial and his resurrection. Why? To identify with us. To identify with us. There's no true death unless there's a burial. People will contest that. Did he really die? Well, he was in the tomb for three days. Why? Well, just to show that he died. Can't be any resurrection unless he died, unless he was buried. Well, he was buried. The biggest thing, though, I think he can identify with us. As he came to the tomb of Lazarus, he wept. What a sad ending to life. A stone cave with a door rolled with a, with a stone rolled across the door. That's it. That's it. What does life come to? We enjoy relationships and family and, and, and times and experiences and just to end in death. That's it. No more. The Lord Jesus was buried so he can identify with that awful end. So, you know, I'm going to pick that up. I'm going to pick that up, and you're going to put it in the gospel from here on out. And it's going to be a, a fragrance that I've identified with people of this world. And in the whole world, something private that happened now goes to the whole world, and it will be told as a memorial to her. Now the burial is going to be part of the gospel. That's amazing. Something that happens in the home is profound, isn't it? Private in the home, but it's profound. It's profound. Let's go to the, the third house. We were at the Passover home. There's a Simon's house. And then what we're going to do is go to a certain man's house. Again, it's not named. Not named here in verse 17. Now, on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, disciples came to Jesus, saying to him, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? Lord, where do we prepare? What do we do? Well, we set off for service for him. We want to do something for him. The question comes up, what do we do now? Lord, I'm asking you, what do we do now? Isn't this amazing verses here that he says, you know what? Go into a city and you're going to find a certain man there. And whether he talked to him before, I'm sure he did. So as the teacher says, my time is at hand, he's probably going to say, well, look at like, when the disciples come in and says, my time's at hand, this is what it means by my time. My time is at hand. What does that mean? Well, now he's going to go from, from just the Lord Jesus to someone who's going to be crucified. He's, he's living his life, but he was selected to be that lamb, that Passover lamb. Now he's going to become that true Passover lamb to replace the, just the animal Passover lamb. And at that point, when he dies on the cross, it's going to be termed as my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. I'd just like to say, extend a little encouragement here to us all. Ephesians 2.10 says this, God prepared beforehand the works for us to do, that we should walk in them. When we ask, Lord, what would you like us to do? He has a lot of things prepared. Things prepared that we just then walk in them. And we're going to find that. He's already prepared the way. And so these disciples walk in and kind of surprised, wow, there's a man burying a pitcher of water here. In the other gospel accounts, it's a man burying a pitcher of water. And, well, no man buried, buried a pitcher of water in those days. Unique. 
odd, but a true sign. Well, there he is. Wow. You know, here's this man bearing a pitcher of water. It's that guy that we got to go talk to, you know? And then imagine their minds as they're thinking, well, <laughs> well, the Lord told me this. And that little sort of comfort, that little presence of the Lord's presence. We talked about the Lord's presence here already this morning. The Lord's presence in this moment to them as they were going out and trying to search for this house. Where are we going to find a big enough house? Well, they've done it before in previous Passovers. But again, you know, if they haven't done it yet, where are we going to find a room with all these people around? And, uh, you know, it's like going to a, a city and last minute you decide to think, I mean, you're going to, I don't know, some sort of event that's, uh, and you forgot to book in a hotel and, and there's a lot of people there and you try and get a hotel, well, there's no room. Well, where do we get a large upper room at this time? You know, you told us to go in here, you're going to find a guest room, it's going to be a large upper room, furnished and everything. Wow, Really? Now, the Lord's already arranged that. Oh, okay, we just walk in there and, and prepare. Oh, the Lord works with us. We're not alone when we serve the Lord. And at times, you're going to kind of experience that. You're going to experience that presence of the Lord that he's already gone before you to prepare the way. So as we come to um, the rest of this story here, we, we come into a very intimate time as the Lord celebrates the Last Supper. We've all seen pictures and uh, famous artists that have composed drawings of the Last Supper. And um, we come into verse 26 to 30, and we're going to read a little bit on this now. They finally have come together in this large upper room. Uh, in other chapters, we know that the Lord washed the disciples' feet. They get ready for this. They're sitting down. They share the Passover meal. The Passover meal consisted of a roasted lamb, reminding them about this lamb that was selected and killed for them. They would share some bitter herbs, and that would remind them of the years in slavery that they spent with the Egyptians. And then they would share some unleavened bread. And this would be indicative of the, the, the quickness, the readiness that they were supposed to have when they left, when the Lord said, leave Egypt quickly, because death was coming. And so they were protected from the death there, but they were, they were going to leave. When, when, when Pharaoh said, leave, get out of here, they were going to have to leave quickly. And so they celebrated all these things at the supper, but then it says, as they were eating, in verse 26, Jesus took bread, blasted and broken, and gave to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. So here, though, is a, an extension of this normal supper. It's something different again that the Lord puts on them again. So, you know, it's kind of like our first few verses there when he puts on them, well, the Son of Man will be delivered instead of this, this lamb here that you're going to select and sacrifice. This Passover meal is going to be replaced by something else. It's going to be basically the, 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 the bread that you pass around is going to represent my body, and the, the wine that you pass around is going to represent uh, the blood, which is shed for you. And this was something here, in verse 28, it says a new covenant, a brand new covenant. A covenant is an agreement between two people. 
And uh, the covenant, the old covenant, was, was basically, okay, you guys do this. God says, you guys do this and try and live up to that if you can and do it the best you can. Well, of course, uh, you know, right out of the gates, fail, right? <laughs> they can't do it. Christ comes in here in the intimacy of this moment here, and he establishes something brand new. He says, instead of that, when you come to me with all your heart and put your faith and trust in me, I'm going to place my covenant in you. I'm going to write my name on your hearts in Jeremiah 31. You can read it there. And you're going to know me internally. And you're going to want to follow me and obey those commandments because I live inside you and I give you a reason for it. Not just something external. Here's the Ten Commandments. Follow those. No. It's going to be a living, personal relationship with me. That's the new covenant. That word new means this. Fresh from the fire. Fresh from the fire. One time my wife and I went down to... I think it was Winterloo. We went down to uh, what is a Confederation Park, and there was a um, there was a guy there that uh, well made things with fire. What do you call those guys? Pardon me, blacksmith. Thank you. And so, anyways, we were there, and he was doing this thing in the fire. And uh, I'm sure us construction people. Not, I shouldn't say us. There's construction guys out here, right? You've used a nail before. Well, you go down to Home Depot and buy a nail, right? It might be a new nail, but it's not a brand new nail. The brand new nail came out of the fire from nothing. And this is what this means. It's fresh from the fire. So the Lord Jesus, he's bringing it fresh from the fire of his own sacrifice. And that blacksmith gave me the nail. He goes, here, this is not a new nail. It's a brand new nail. He gave me that nail, and I have it to today. I was going to bring it in here. But that's how they did it, right? They used to make nails. Of course, the blacksmith would make the nails. You wouldn't go down to Home Depot and buy a box. But out of the fire came this nail, not previously there at all. And this is what we celebrate here, and some churches do it differently. <clears throat> That's okay, but the first hour of, of the Sunday morning here, we just, we just celebrate this meal, celebrate this, this new covenant that we have with God. And, and God says, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna live within you now. We celebrate that covenant. And instead of the, the, the lamb here, it's gonna be my body that you're gonna take in the bread as a symbol. And, and you're going to be reminded of the blood. We talked about the, the freedom that we have this morning. That word came up. Well, what does remission mean? Remission is freedom. Freedom from sin. It's the blood that we remember, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And that's how we, that's what we do sometimes on a Sunday morning. We call it the Lord's Supper. That's, that's partly where we get it from. And, and you do that, he says, the Lord says, do this in remembrance of me. I want you to remember the covenant. It's not the old one that you got to try to live up to and, and find yourself to live a defeatist life and trying to live up to what God wants. We cannot do that. He wants to be your substitute because he's done it for you. So you take him because you know that you can't do. You take his, his perfection, his righteousness, and he's done it for you. He places with, within you a desire then to live up to that if you can. And you become like that woman that comes into that home, or you become like Simon who just opens the door and said, come on in. The Lord's here. 
you come in too, whatever it may be. A touching thing here as well is that in verse 29 it says, But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Is that a fourth house in his kingdom? I think it is. That's how his house is, his kingdom. That'll be, that'll be his house. Have you ever done something very special at home and, man, I can't wait till all the kids get here to enjoy it? No, we're going to hold off. Well, wait a minute. The roast beef is done at 12 o'clock. But they're not going to be here till quarter after. Well, we're going to wait. We're going to wait. Wait till everyone gets here. That's what the Lord Jesus wants. And in the fourth house, he's going to wait till we can join him again and celebrate this feast with him. He says, I'm not going to have it till you guys get there. I'm not going to have it till you guys get there. And this is... Uh, in a national sense as well, with the Jews. Because we know that he ate after he was resurrected, but this is in a national sense. He's going to wait till everything is done and gathered together into the Father's kingdom, into his home. And then they left, and they sung a hymn in verse 30, and they went out to the Mount of Olives. This so close to the Lord sacrificing himself and becoming this, he does all these. We visited three homes today, and we're going to the fourth home. And uh, we hope that we can uh, have these thoughts as uh, ministering to our hearts. If you don't know the Lord Jesus today, he's a tremendous person to get to know what he's done for you through the belief in the Bible. And I pray that you take that step today. Ask any one of us here. We'd love to help you with that. Um, he's done so much for you and for us, and we'd like to share that with you today. Shall we pray? Dear God and Father, we thank you so much for this little tour of some homes. Reminder of the Passover home and then Simon's home, the leper. Oh, that leper. And then we think of that certain man's house opened up his home and became something for them to continue to join in. Even in the, after the death of the Lord, they continued to go back to this home and, and uh, gather there and became something so, so significant as you celebrated that Lord's Supper with them, and you said, this was my body and my blood. Now, and you're going to partake of this even today. This morning we did this. We thank you so much for that. And Lord, we just pray that you would just guide us and help us, help us to understand those things that you prepared before us, beforehand for us to just walk in. May we just feel that liberty serving you, worshiping you and just just laughing in front of you just to be joyous and forgiven and at peace with you lord today so father we just ask that you would uh, bless us as we continue and separate in jesus name amen